Welcome to Upstage Downstage with him, Richard Platt, seated in the upper circle. And him, Stephen Reed, typically seated in the cheap seat. This is the Theatre Podcast, where we discuss productions we've seen, things we've liked, and may not have liked, giving our complete unprofessional and non-biased opinions. So grab a brew, take a seat, and, and let's raise, raise that, that curtain. curtain. On today's episode, we'll be discussing Abigail's Party. We saw this production at Derby Theatre on the 28th of April 2023. Abigail's Party premiered at the Hampstead Theatre in 1977, with the role of Beverly being immortalised by Alison Steadman, a ferocious black comedy and landmark of 20th century theatre. So Richard, what's it all about? Beverly and husband Lawrence will play host to neighbours Angela, Tony and Sue. As the alcohol flows and the nibbles are handed around, Mike Lee's ruthless, achingly funny examination of 1970s British life begins. But first, our post-show opinion! A hilarious masterpiece by Lonely Classic Theatre. A stunning 70s show and I'm glad I was invited to this party. So with all that said, let's... Set Set the scene! So Stephen. What? Describe the set. It's your turn. No, it can't be, really. I think you're an eager beaver to talk about this one. (laughs) I must admit, I do love this set. I think this is just glorious. It's so so yummy. So as we walk into the auditorium, what did you see? I saw some lovely pieces of furniture. The sofa and the two seats were just divine. So let's start with um, uh, the back of the stage, the, the flats. They were... They're in a house, not a flat. <laughs> yes, but the flats of the house, so the walls... But they, it's a house, not a yes, flat. Yes, but... I'm describing it. it the, <laughs> the sets were like a shadow. Um, what do you call it? A sh- not a shadow, a... Um, silhouette. Stencil. Silhouette. A silhouette. We'll yeah. go with that then. And stencil, really. Okay, yeah. so I could be right. So it's a silhouette stencil. Put out. Pop up card. Out. So it was basically imitating the rooftops of the house and at the very corner because the the set um the back of the stage in was more of like a um triangle yeah nine degrees yeah yeah anymore on that yes was it obtuse or you're obtuse (laughs) so it was a 90 degree angle so so Everything was facing towards us naturally. Uh, so the very this is going really well, isn't it? I'll be really You're doing good. I'll be really crap at give me a clue. You're good in design describing. No, you need... I really I don't know any describing words. Sounds like sounds like. I mean, we can't do we can't do film or can't do we film. can't do charades on this, you know. Film. Okay, so film. It's like a house. Yeah. <laughs> now I don't know where to go. Cause I've got, got no descriptive skills. Stephen just but, made the KFC uh, sign. And oh, a pizza hut. Oh, did I? Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> Starving. Hang on, let me just have some wine. So, the very back of the flat is like a, a bit of a chimney breast. And then it goes into like the rooftops. So we think they're in... So the back of the stage basically makes up this avenue, this close, this group of houses that, that they're in. The wallpaper on the back is that of a 70s design, so it's sort of floral pattern, but repeated, but it's quite large, uh, the floral pattern, and quite, um, um, oh, you're going to have to help me out here. What am I, what, what the 
Geometry. It's yeah, it's ge- very geometric. It's almost like looking in a kaleidoscope. Okay, that's So when you now. start turning it, yep. it's like, yep. like a... a it, so basically, know, it's like looking in a kaleidoscope, like I just said. So... <laughs> So the bottom of um, oh look, Richard, it's almost a circular rug. <laughs> no, it wasn't a circular rug. No, it was a hexagonal one. It's it all about the shape today, isn't that's it? That's a big word. That is. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Did, have you learned that recently? At the weekend, yes. Well yes. done. <laughs> Thank you. So the living room is presented by being broken down into. Um, so so the walls are made up of. Uh, um, yeah, oh well, God! What, what are you calling them? Um, bureaus, wardrobes, bureaus, not wardrobes. Bookcases. To be honest, it's a bit it. of everything. Oh, I'm really. It's a bit today. of everything, though, in a way. So you've got a drinks cabinet and a bit of a. Um, uh, God, what would you call that? A you've got a hatch, Welsh dresser. Yeah, a bit of a Welsh dresser feel. It's a it's a china cabinet. It's yeah. It's it, pre- it's basically all those little things. So one holds the record player. There's uh, ornaments, drinks cabinet. There's one part which opens up so you see through like a serving hatch yep. into the dining room. Yeah. Another one open. Uh, one of the drawers open down like a bureau. So it's the office with the telephone <clears throat> in it, and and then to either side of the stage, there's just. Places that uh, I mean, uh, like book, well, draw sets of drawers that wasn't really used, other than to put stuff on top of and to store things like the the drinks and stuff. So it was all in a walnutty uh, color. To be honest, it looked divine. And then on the rug, you've got these beautiful three piece su- sweet leather caramelly. Would you say color leather? Yeah, fake yeah. leather. It's, it's like it's leather. like you know, it's it's <clears throat> like your evaporated milk turned into caramel sauce. You so. Know. Carna- we've got carnation, carnation cream sort yeah. of colour going on yeah. here and then just a tiny little uh, coffee table at, at the front and then at the very far back of the stage is uh, like a four-seater dining table with a candelabra and a, and a window. Yeah. And the only exits are behind stage right is uh, the front door, which is behind the, um, uh, the vinyl player and... Um, I've just described it. What are they? A lot of uh, bookcases in a cupboard. Well, it's bookcase of China cupboard. Yeah, that sort of thing. And to stage left, that makes up for the dining room, which then leads off into the kitchen. And above, we've got some glorious lamps here, lights that come down. So we've got three lights that come down over the dining room, which is off the like, main event, uh, main stage. And then you've just got the normal living room lamp. There, I think I've I've described the set exceptionally well. Well done, Stephen. Do I get the gig? Yeah, you do. A little bit. Close. You're going to recast uh, this bit, aren't you? No, no, I'm not going to recast it. I mean, one thing I would Edit say... me out. One thing I'd say. I'm going to say a few things, actually. Go on, then. What's the key? <laughs> <laughs> well, the key to this is, obviously, traditionally, Detail. you um, with the production of this age... A lot of the setting and the scenery would be flats that would be not, would be all very, very sort of, very sort of. Uh, there'd be. See, the, even the, you're at it, you don't even know what you're waffling on about. I do know what I'm on about. I do, honestly. I think it's something in that Cherry Bakewell time. A lot of the, the flats would be almost to the, the ceiling height and wall height and just a flat top with no. no sort of point to them or no shape to them they'd just be a set on stage that felt like a front room or a a room 
in that way rather than like they've done in this production where they've they've trailed your eye up to the middle of the point of the stage really and it's done a good job of almost creating a blurred line between the darkness behind it because it, behind these flats there's just nothing it's just black which actually helps and keeps your focus on the the room and it's actually quite clever by doing this that when wherever you sit in the audience you would watch it and still have the element of that wallpaper behind them because there's more height at the back of stage with the wallpaper on which so, goes towards the angle of it yes. 90 degrees yes so the eye is if it was flat and cut off at say eight foot it would have just people would have mm. seen more of the behind the stage and it would have yeah. it wouldn't have felt like you were sucked into the 70s world almost and the other thing that you would have normally seen is where we Stephen talked about the the bookcases, bureaus, the the hatch, and things like that. I mean, I talked about it. I mean, I don't know if I meant to achieve it. You or... did well. I mean, well, the one thing I'd say is that just words just escaped me. That normally in this type of aged theatre, that I mean, I'm not going to credit this as being an, an old piece of theatre. Well, it but the actual script, is. the script it's, it's is, the 70s, is yeah. Period so we're talking something fifty years ago, and bookcases and bureaus wouldn't have been used as flats into exits off stage and stuff like mm. that in that way so it's clever use of Multi-use, almost creating a bureau it? on acid because a lot of properties a wouldn't bureau have, on acid yeah because a lot of properties would have had a bureau a bookcase and a china cabinet they wouldn't necessarily have them all joined together in a big long wall unit in in the 70s it would more be per pieces of furniture you'd bought when you could afford them because you know it wouldn't have just been all this, these these big long units but they did it really well where the hatch was integrated into the actual into the bureau so yeah. it felt like a wall but you couldn't see the the wall above it so it, it worked really well yeah it made to imply that there were walls yeah between rooms so yeah and make, the, uh, make more space and more rooms out of the one space that they've got on the set on the stage and in a way I, there was a little nod to almost the 60s and a bit of a crossover with the coffee table because the coffee table wasn't actually as fitting with the rest of the design because it was more country house grand no, is, it, is it is it am i right in thinking it's got queen Anne legs yeah it's got queen Anne legs so it actually looks it, it was almost like it's like a hand-me-down it gave you the impression that mm. it was something that was a grandparents passed down through the family and they still love it and use it but it, it so it, it gives you the impression that it's not a show home it's more of a an actual house that you know you'd have so, a piece of furniture in there that was part so, of the family's, you know, show coffee table. That is. Yeah, well, it's just it's, but it it doesn't fit within the aesthetics of everything else being very walnut wood. You'd expect a walnut wood coffee table, and that's why it was quite clever in that this way. This is very true. Yes, yes. So, do you think we've now described the set and confused everyone listening or our one listener? Well, there will be a picture on social media, say the social media to to actually make your own mind up. So, there yeah. we go. So do follow us on um, Instagram and Twitter and wherever we're at, Richard. Facebook. And any, anywhere else we're at? No? Is that oh, it? What's oh, it? I well, I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, the picture will be out there somewhere or not, or other. So we shall move on to the big bones of this production. What, the cheese and pineapple of this production? That is the meat and bone of it. But no olives. No, I like olives. I like olives. Mm. Prefer on the no, Everybody does. In fact, the rag trade. But anyway, I'm going off tangent, but still, it's in keeping with the <laughs> 70s. Don't choke on your tea again. <coughs> have you got any left? I'm surprised you've not yeah, swallowed yeah. that. It's come out your nose. <coughs> so, 
Let's touch upon the writing first because it's easier to do it this way around, I feel. Yeah. Mike Lee, brilliant. Totally. And uh, I first learnt of this play when I uh, was at university, um, W University, incidentally, 2007. I think we did a little piece on on this. And and, um, and it was interesting and I quite liked it. And I've seen the, the DVD of um, Alison Stedman do it, which is... You know that that's iconic. Yeah, you know, exactly. Because um, it's very much, although he's builders builders writing it, it was very much the the actors um, found the character, lived in that character, yeah. and worked on it themselves to create this piece of theatre, this drama. You know all this um, stuff going on in this house, and also it's very fixed in that that vision of seeing that that cast originally that were in it in the BBC production and creating those roles, really. You know, they create... Yeah. the So everyone, in a way, imitates them slightly. Yeah. Slightly. Yeah, of course. We shall yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but to me, uh, I don't think there was anything wrong with this script at all. Watching it again, seeing the production company, the London Classic Theatre, do this, this was just phenomenal all the way through and there's nothing i could change or add to to the script at all so it was really really good the one thing um we did notice though when we did leave the um auditorium see we're leaving the auditorium now we've okay. not actually gained such in our seats and we're, we're talking about leaving it now okay. uh, was it the interval or just at the end and some people... Oh, the end? Yeah, what did they say? Oh, somebody... I just heard somebody stay next to me. That was a bit weird. Yeah, and the it, ending. And, and I thought, have you paid attention to what's happened? Because, you know... Yeah, and the build-up to it. Because, in a way, I mean, I I was just looking at the, the distance in time when it was on BBC to actually when it debuted as a production. And it actually opened in, in July of 1977. And in November, it was actually on the BBC. So it must have been quite groundbreaking at that point mm. to actually have put it, had confidence to put it on 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 BBC One as a play for today, where yeah. it actually, you know, we've gone from, it's only just been launched and it's actually gone out. So it's actually must have been quite a, they must have took to it very quickly at that point, you know. Yes, because I know a, a very a, quite a lot of uh, playwrights, um, they did, well, back then in the 70s, uh, they did write plays and do, like you say, play for today's yeah. or um, armchair theatre and all those yeah. kind of um, tea time plays, one act things or whatever. So there was a lot of, um, of those kind of plays being televised yeah. at that time. But then as well, I suppose, not everyone's been as memorable, maybe, mm. As this one, I mean, everybody almost. If you've done theatre and done amateur theatre, there's a lot of times this has probably been referenced or talked about yeah. as a piece, and it's quite interesting how not all of them are remembered, isn't it? It's like you know. Yeah, and what interests me about this is the fact that it's called Abigail's Party, but this isn't the party that's Abigail's. Yeah, exactly. And I always thought years and years ago, before I knew the play, that it was about Abigail's Party, but yeah. of course it wasn't. It, it was about a. a uh, people getting together to discuss, or well, not necessarily to discuss, but to have concerns about a party going on over the road. A couple of doors down, basically, yeah. I think that's probably where the, the may, do I say groundbreaking? Because it sort of isn't now, but it might have been then. I'm not quite sure. But it was quite interesting to have that take on it, to have that play be called something, but it's not 
about that. No, but exactly. it's about the reaction to that. Yeah. Yeah, it's about the, the you know because obviously it's almost looking to everyday life and looking down a street and hearing noise further down and families and people they might not go down and challenge people or say keep it to keep it down but they'll talk about it, chunter about it, and then and I think mm. that's what that's what this capsulated really. Yeah, definitely. And like you said about the BBC production and everyone being aware of this play, I think everyone is aware of Alison Steadman and Jane Dubovnik. Exactly. Oh God, it's not Jane Dubovnik, is it? Um, Harriet Reynolds? No, the original BBC series. You know Jane? Oh, uh, well, Janine Dave. Javitsky. Javitsky, that's it. That's all right. No, there's a, there's the different Susan in in the BBC version than was on stage. They've got they've yeah, got put the original Susan, cast yeah. on the front row, on the front page, front row. Right. Yeah. So yes, every so everyone would know know of the BBC and yeah. uh, Alison Steadman being Beverly in that series as well as uh, Janine Davitsky playing Angela. They, they probably know the others as well. Yeah, definitely. But I think everyone who knows those knows that they were in Abigail's Party. So, so it's quite a feat for anybody, any theatre company trying to do this as yeah. well because they've sort of got to live up to expectations as well in in a way. Well, the bar's set. I suppose it's a bit like anybody doing um, the importance of being earnest and someone saying a handbag. Do you know yeah, what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, you know they've got to sort of match Edith Evans, essentially. Yeah, and also it, those members in the cast haven't just done Alison. Uh, sorry, Alison Steadman. They haven't just done Alison Steadman. <laughs> they haven't just done <laughs> Abigail's <laughs> party. Following that, they've been in a yeah. lot of things that then link them back to it because you. You you know you if you look into somebody's career and you remember them in a lot of other things they've been in, it always then takes you back to you mm. know re re finding the Abigail's party mm. was around you know. Things. But I suppose also because they um, originated the text, shall we yes, say? Yes, exactly. Because they were the originals. It's no different to saying say seeing like hello hello on stage. Of or course, something like that. You expect the mannerisms of. The original Rene, you know, yeah, like, like Gordon Kay and or anyone yeah. else from those kind of comedy programs that are on stage. And it's such a risk to play, say, the Rene character when you're so used to Rene. Yeah, exactly. And it's the same sort of thing with this. You're so used to that character being that person, and that's why it's, yeah. you know, it takes a lot to. But you can also make the role your own, which of course. we yeah. will go on to in the. Um, the acting segment. Now, set in 1977 and also written in that period or created in that period is of the same time period as uh, A Bedroom Farce, the Alan Aitbourne shows as well, the the golden era of your comedy, not yeah. just on the TV but on the stage as well. And it does seem to fit that kind of situational um, front room, family politics and people getting on and and having kind of um, issues with each other. It's quite interesting that the, the, something I was going to say is the crossover between actors on stage and actors in TV in that era did both. They yeah. weren't actors that that basically didn't get the the screen time. Nowadays, there's a lot of actors that that originate theatre, originate productions, and don't actually end up on TV. Well, the uh, incidentally, um, I think it was the Alan Aikbourne ones. I don't know if it was Norman Conquest or it was something 
um, after then, but it was uh, your Penelope Wilter. No, not Penelope Wilter. Oh, yeah, she might have been here, but I think Penelope Keith or Penelope Wilter. Yeah. And then you got your Felicity Kendalls. Yeah. Uh, not like loads of her. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> she <laughs> <And> cloned. Then, <laughs> yeah. And then, um, or oh, uh, Briars, Richard Briars. Yeah, Richard Briars, yeah. All doing Eight Born. Yeah. All from Stephen Joseph Theatre. Yeah, definitely. They went on to do the same production as a BBC piece. Exactly. So it would have been yeah, know, whereas, the same kind of I mean, thing. Yeah, whereas, I mean, when we look at things now, there's, there's it's interesting because, for example, Wizard of Oz that's transferred from Leicester Curve has had a complete cast change when it's moved to London. Yes, it has. Yeah. Uh, uh, rather than getting the original people that originated the roles mm. in those roles down in London, it's very interesting how that happens now. Whereas in those in in the seventies, it was they were on TV, they were in the productions, they were doing you know they're working mm. in, they were working actors, and it's very interesting the the mm. difference in that way. I wonder maybe it's because the uh, the acting profession was more close knit back then. Yeah, maybe there were less. Yeah, companies maybe, and also there's probably less actors around, in the sense of the productions they were they worked, because you didn't have the social medias of the world mm. and things like that. It was you were working. What I would like to suggest about the writing is, could this ever be updated? That's interesting. Because if uh, Sue's got a daughter Abigail having a party, in this like age, would she be bothered? Would she be texting? Would they be living together? Yeah, would they at all? Is there a need for people to stay together? I think maybe if you... I mean, we joked about flats, houses, this, that and the other. Maybe if it was in a flat block and they were upstairs, mm. the flat above, that may have had more Thank of you. a... That might have had worked if you'd have modernised it. Maybe. Because it's that pressure cooker of, you, you know... Everybody knew knows everybody a little bit more maybe in flats than we do on on streets now, mm-hmm. so you you maybe have, you could have maybe pulled it off in that way by having that yeah that maybe dynamic because not many people interact the same as as they did in the seventies on the streets you know maybe that's that's yeah. something that could have been done but it's very difficult yeah I mean you you might ha- not have peanuts you might have um, Pringles instead you know no. you might have some vegan cheese yeah exactly you want to add records you know well you are actually well yeah true you might they would have who knows yeah he says yeah it might have been Ariana Grande or whatever her name is Ariana I think the distractions of the world today may have made it difficult to update it if if you'd have not included mobile phones other other influences that are more modern day because people find other things to do or they go further afield or they don't necessarily would they have gone two doors would would her, her mum have gone of two doors down the down the road to to get away from the party or would she just gone well to away? think Lawrence comes back to use a bureau to uh, use a telephone and stuff well yeah. you do everything on your mobile you so wouldn't you have even been there <laughs> there we go they'd just come in late you know yeah, and it. if and if they didn't need beers they'd have just called to get them yeah, or yeah. you get, got them delivered. Them delivered. Yeah, exactly. So, you know. Yeah. So it, it's interesting, like you say, could you be updated? I think potentially, and but Beverly, it would take a lot of work. And the thing with Beverly, it seems like she's um, she needs something to do or to occupy her to gain attention. Yes. Because that's sort of in her characteristics because she's not getting any yeah, exactly. attention. Yeah, exactly. She'll be on Instagram. She'll be on TikTok. She'll, she'll be, be on, doing, yeah, she'll be TikTok. She will. Here. She'll be playing like Farmville or something. Yeah. Or, on the internet doing she'd be, something. She'll be sharing videos, photos and all. And, and I think that's where 
it's very interesting when you something should be left in the past to yeah, enjoy what they were and because you didn't have all that distraction it is all in one room and there isn't that outside world breaking in too much and i think that might yeah. have been yeah it's interesting it makes life more difficult but fun yeah it's more does. pressure yeah whereas if you have all the the gadgets and gizmos and whatever you know it's uh, it's harder to sort of uh, work your way around it because it's just easy yeah, exactly. Like you can watch a TV show, something happens. Why don't they just phone for help? Oh, look, the battery died. And not just Because they know that in real life probably batteries don't die, but uh, they need to do it for storytelling. And would people have had cheese and pineapple? I mean, I would. But that's I would. Just, but would it be a I thing when you, for that. in the world of ordering takeaways and those sort of things? It's, it's look, very... I'm the kind of guy that has pineapple on pizza, so judge me now. Yeah, we can order that and have it delivered. Yeah, but I ask for it extra and it never gets... Put on. That's disappointing. Not ordering a pizza again from that particular place. Try anyway, one. We, we've digressed yet again. But it is a good question, Stephen, about modernising something that's 50 years old. Yeah, because I saw a bedroom farce, I think I've said it in one podcast we did, where they updated it with mobile phones. It yes. worked. However, yeah. you know, with this, I mean, it could still work, but I think it it would feel like they've got a mobile phone in the hand, and it it still it would have been very difficult to 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 have you know. Yeah, but I think it's not just about the mobile phone though. When you no. update it, it's about everything. Of course, it is. What will be the reason behind these characters feeling the way they do anyway? Exactly. You know, it, I I don't know. I, I I love it for what it is. Moving on to the direction now, Richard. Yeah. It was directed by Michael Cabot, who incidentally also directed Boeing Boeing, which we yes. got the chance to see at Derby uh, Theatre. Yeah, we did. And I quite like that production. Yeah, really I did good. too. Yeah. 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 Few Very... little issues, however. Yeah. But but as a as a di- director as a piece, I think it was done really well and had a it was strong in its structure and performance. Boeing Boeing. Yeah. Oh, right, okay, yeah. So, with this production, how did you feel, Richard? Well, yet again, Michael did a great job. Outstanding it job. It was really, really good, and it's such... It must be such an honour to do a script like this that's so well-known. Do it justice. And do it justice, and but also have a well, cast in, in, that... In do, our uh, eyes, anyway. But, then, but also have a cast that embrace it. Yes, I think that's important because a director's useless if they haven't got the the cast on board and they're not going well, to, to be do honest, what, Yeah, you know, exactly. And you need the cast to understand the characters and to portray the characters for it to have any meaning. And they and need to be. To they work. need to know their character inside out, upside mm. down. They've got to have that commitment to it, really. And and then the directing becomes fun. You can yeah. you can enjoy the the process, and you can see that this process has been enjoyed, as yeah. in. Yes, we're seeing it sort of halfway through the run, but I do feel that this would have hit the ground running from the start. I've, Absolutely, I've got a feeling yeah. that, you and know. we could probably touch more on the direct direction side of things when we talk about the acting. Yeah, of course, for the the nuanced yeah. bits. But there was never a missed beat at no. all, and the blocking Everyone was moved, brilliant. Like, yeah, on p- for purpose. Yeah, it was. We talk. We've talked in other podcast episodes where we've talked about people. St- Sit standing in a semicircle, stepping forward, stepping back. No, 
all taking their turn. This oh, didn't yeah, what do you feel say? like yeah. move and bark. Well, yeah, move park and, park and bark and bark. Yeah, park th- bark. this was in no ways park and bark. This was every part of stage was used, but for a reason. It was like playing a game of chess at certain points because there was one moment where one cast member would be sat on one chair, then they'd move to another chair, but then the other one would move to the other chair, and it was all done for a reason because it became part of the next scene or it was a yes. setup, but it was yeah. done. You didn't notice that. I did because I'm looking at the the sort of directing side of it, but it looked natural. Yeah, and like it was... when Tony went to pick up the peanuts, yeah. it, he moved to a different chair. Yeah, or or he'd stand by or, one of the bureaus. Or and there was a moment where he first picks up the peanuts and goes to sit back down again after doing that, and that gave Beverly the opportunity to move yeah. when she's not doing anything. Yeah, to just ch- change the bowl of peanuts so she's got something to do. So it was those kind of little details, that and it felt like they were naturally moving around doing something. Yeah, and it. it... It was little things like prop placement, and I'm I'm not talking about what's on the the bookcases and the, in the background. It was things like placement of remembering that somebody had put their purse down there, or somebody had put a plate with a just a single cheese and pineapple that was going to then be used two scenes later, mm. but it was placed perfectly so that when they showed it, it was there and it was in place, and then there was glasses being used, but. I was watching them because I was fascinated where it was moving from one person to the other. Do you want a refill? Do you want this? Do you want that? And it, everybody got their own glass back. It was, Do you want a top-up, uh, Sue? But, but <laughs> Sue got her own glass a back. And, and it, But it, it was yeah. so well-directed in that way. And they're the bits, the attention to detail that means so much in this sort of production. Yes, and she didn't give out just any old glass, did no. she, to anybody? They were the right glass that It was the beer was glass for the out. beer. It was the, yeah. the the right short glass for the for the whiskey. And it was everything just felt right. And it yeah. just... just it, yeah. Not that we're talking about this as if we expect it to go wrong. No. It's just those little details where you kind of, you look out, especially when we're critiquing things when like you're this, in a pressure you think, cooker, will this happen? Yeah, when you're in a pressure cooker setting, as in a production that's set in one room, there's not really anywhere to hide because mm. you can't walk off to another scene and come on with a tray or a this, that and the other. Everything's already on there. Yeah. So it's about where you put it and where you move it, not necessarily where you take it off and bring it back on because the only time they went off, they didn't come back on with props apart from a bag or a this or a that. It yeah. wasn't really anything. Most yeah. of it was already there. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. and, and t- Unless they went around the corner to get stuff from the kitchen. Yeah, but even yeah. then they didn't really bring much back in. It was all, mm. you know. And I thought it was a, a brilliant use of the staging as well. Totally. Particularly the, the use of the serving hatch as well. That was quite, you know, had comic timing. Well, it didn't have comic timing, but it allowed uh, the actors to show off certain elements at certain sections of the script so you could see straight through and see what they're doing particularly when Angela's looking at the lampshades yeah exactly like the hatch it was it was directed with restraint because it wasn't used all the time it was mm. it was it never really opened for the first sort of section of the first half and then when it was used it was used really well and mm. it was just a specific point and it it just it lit, it lit it up even more isn't didn't it as a production yeah, it made it more livable, the yeah. whole set in itself, and more believable. And do you know what? I actually wanted to live in that set. I want that yeah. furniture. I, I yeah. really, I want that I sofa do feel like that if I was sat on the sofa, I'd have, I'd have told all my, all my worries and all my problems. They'd have all melted away, sat on there, I with know. a shrink sat next to me on the with his clipboard out, you know. Oh, why has it got to be male? Well... <laughs> 
That's just how you like it. Right. right, so I think, to be honest, with this direction, director, he's done an outstanding job. And it's just hats off to Michael yeah. for, for doing this play justice. And this has just been... The set is beautiful. Yeah. It is perfect. It's yeah. just wonderful. It's a joy to look at. And the directing is spot on, yeah, to be exactly. honest. And, you know? and, and for me, as a touring piece, you can tell that it all would have fit in a lorry or whatever, but it was done in such a way that it was thought out well and there was whatever any set designer draws on a piece of paper, the director still needs to be able to perform that production within that space. Mm. And they've got to work together to make sure it's got everything they need and every every bit. And I think this was a fine example of the two people working together really strongly to make a set very strong and very livable for the characters. And I think that's, yeah. you know... You, is that key? I think it is. I think that's key. I think yeah, it is. Yeah, it's key, isn't it? It is. I think Michael Cabot understood the brief and it's important with something like this because with such a big weight behind it, if you don't go to this level, it's not worth it. It would have been disappointing if it had been done with somebody that didn't take care with it. And I think that's that's the main thing with this. And also, this is the kind of play that gets done to death by oh, yeah, amateur theatre companies as well. So uh, I've, um, I've not seen it done by an amateur theatre company. I think I, I have I a long time recall. ago, a long time ago, but it's it's a it is distant in my memory. But when you see those kind of shows, it just doesn't. Sometimes, not all, but sometimes they don't because you know. But also, it takes a lot to make this a professional production, as when you've got something mm. that has been done so much by so many different companies, to actually make it feel polished as a. As a as a pro- professional production, you as you, a what? Put your teeth in. Yeah, it, as a professional production, it's very difficult to get that polish right, and he, he nailed it really. Yeah, from and I think point. it's because with this production, there's especially the, from the script, there's so many beats to hit. Oh, and yeah. And for me, you know, this is what I was talking about the um, amateur bit. Sometimes they don't hit every beat. No, they say the this, words, but not... Yeah, not, all yeah. the characteristics are wrong or something. Yeah. But this is very... Every beat was hit. And this production isn't just about the words. It's a production that's about a look, a glance, a movement, a subtlety that happens mm. with between the characters. Showing the subtext yeah. between each character. It's, if that isn't there, you've got almost just a comedy piece that people just go oh it's funny it was worth a watch but this felt on it it was like you, your eyes were drawn and i think that was where the directing really came in to make sure that was in there because it's very difficult to it's easy to just throw it away as a director and think well they've said the words but you know everything about this production so far that we've talked yeah. about has been spot on yeah exactly shall we find out how we think about the acting Moving on to our next segment, as we say, we're here Here for the the drama. drama. The moment I've been waiting for. Oh, Richard, I can't wait to talk about the acting. Would you like to talk about the acting, Stephen? I think we need to talk about the acting. I think you want to talk about it first, though. Because, okay, so we've got the good parts out of the way. Yes, the set was great. Yeah. The directing was phenomenal. Yeah. Okay, the acting, 
It was sublime. It was, it was excellent all yeah. the way through from every single actor. My God. They've got to be so proud of what they've put together. Absolutely. And it must be... I mean, it must be exhausting at the end of it because they're, oh. they've just... And this is... Poor Rebecca. Oh, I mean, hello. I, totally. I mean... Rebecca's on, literally on stage all the way through it. There's no, yes. there's, and and we talk about people. There's no let up. There's no scene changes where they can walk off stage and have a break. It's literally, yeah, always on. There's, there are there were a few bits where she did nip off to do stuff, but either she was talking off stage or yeah. she was busy getting stuff. Yeah, nothing off stuff stage was, was pre-recorded. It was them stood off stage in yeah. uh, on the in the wings, just adding more, yeah, like dialogue into it. And we've got. Every single one of these actors that were in character all the way through, completely so. And the minute they walked on stage, you knew they were that they were the characters. It was, it was yeah. they were on. It was it was so important. Yeah. So we had Rebecca Birch who played Beverly. We had Joe Castleton who played Susan. Alice DeWarney played Angela. George Redshaw played Tone. <laughs> Tony. Tone. And Tom Richardson, who played Lawrence, and every single one of them played their role just spectacularly well. I've never seen a production that I, like this where I've just been so thrilled and it's been on my mind. Yeah, exactly. For a long time. I mean, yes, we had um, Pride and Prejudice, sort of. Yeah. That was excellent. And uh, The Bones, that one. I can't remember that episode. That um, Drive Your Wagon Over the Plow. Drive Your uh, Wagon. Over the drive Bones Your Power Over the Bones of the Dead. Well, That's bones, what. Drive Your Wagon. That was top yeah, notch. Really was. Stuff. Yeah, they were. This was up there with them. Do you it really know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Know what yeah. I mean, Tyrone? Know, know what I mean? Know what I mean? And considering we've seen Boeing, Boeing, and that was okay. That was good. Yeah. You know, I think thinking back, the set was a bit maybe like lost on that. The the background of the set. I think I did pick up on a few bits, but that's going back into the past now. Yeah, yeah. However, yeah. that's a different episode. A different episode. But same theatre company, yeah. And this has just been fantastic. So this is where they just attention. nail it every single performance. And we have Joe Castleton who plays Susan, and she was in Boeing Boeing. Yes, she played Maud, I think. I think that was her name, Maud. So when she entered as the neighbour, the mother of Abigail, um, she gave such a, a concerning performance, and it was so subtle. It was um, very every little. I mean, she didn't speak much. No. But she, she came across as the character where she was constantly put on. Yeah, exactly. All the time. So yeah. those little looks, those little, the way she sort of was and, and acted and the characteristics of that and the performance was just great to watch because that particular role, and I'm starting with her first, that particular role could so easily just been just ignored or just forgotten. Well, exactly. Just yeah. Not that, because there was... Less lines as such, but there wasn't much. It's all about reaction and facial expression and and being and, and being that there. character and living yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, and 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 showing that showing all those emotions and things that are happening. Yeah. Oh, and, bless her! And the, the fact that um, when she had to go and uh, have a fag, and she she was piling on these crisps because uh, Bev kept giving her crisps, yeah. and um, oh, what was the name? Um, and Angela kept giving her peanuts. You know, you haven't eaten. Eat some peanuts and stuff. She kept piling them on her, in her hands and it, on her lap and stuff. And then having a fag. And, and it's also how showing she reacted. That, to, you know, juggling it, all them things. And she didn't really want any of them. No, and she didn't want any of them. But she did, she was being too polite to say <laughs> no. And yeah. and it, it just it made 
it just puts that panic, and you could see the panic on her face, and mm. she's trying not to. Feed and her. also living, uh, sitting through the awkwardness of what you know of all the things of that what's happened. going on, you know. Yeah. The frictions between the two couples, yeah. not to mention the fact that some of them are getting drunk, some of them get stressed out. And well, yeah. it, it, it was that person at a party with nobody else to talk to, and mm. always that one. The odd that's, one. Everybody's trying hard to include, but they're still the odd one in the room. You know, mm. and they, they, that's what it, it came across yeah. as. And, it, you and know. the comedy that comes out of this. Oh <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. It, it, that, but. it adds that thought that you're having and you're seeing it happen on stage or you know you're feeling you're <laughs> yeah. feeling that awkwardness yeah it's sort of amped up and ramped up by that person just being there that's like yeah i'm this person in the room and i don't know what's happening <laughs> yeah and uh the reason why i started with this particular character by mentioning her is because at the start of the play you get introduced to the first two and the second two and for a while i forgot there was another one yeah i forgot there was another character but once she appeared once sue appeared it's like, okay, so this is a fifth element here. This is um, another corner to the hexagon. Well, I don't can, know where I'm going see, with that. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> you can see how it's written to... It, it's like it's she, she just comes in at the lull of introducing all the other characters and yeah. it's like it just ramps it up to like the next... Yeah, bit and it's like it, that's it's that it adds more levels but to again, the product it, performance. It, it ramps it up without her exactly coming in like a uh, a, a cannonball. She's just like physically there, she's and that's physically the, there, yeah. cause, not causing the tension, but she's sort of like a witness. I suppose in in a way, her role is essence is indicative of our role as a viewer as well. It is, but way. also she's the role that links to Abigail's party. Exactly. So yeah. she's that. She's that person with the information of the noise yes. and the things that are going off so even though you don't get much yeah. you just get some of the gaps filled in as to mm. where Abigail's party fits yeah. in but that just comes out through very small and short words. And, and sometimes I wonder if that might have been an afterthought you know it yeah. could have been the fact that um, this play might have not have been called Abigail's party yeah. because it could have just been when it was first written, the two yeah. couples but it's almost, it was almost like it's been written to add more chaos to the production in a way. Yeah. Because it needs that. It's like yeah, you like know. the um, yes, that character might have been might have come in a bit later on, and then yes, there was more things going on. Yeah. But then, I I suspect maybe the title didn't come until afterwards when it they worked out that oh she was there because Abigail was having a party, and then it's yeah. like oh okay yeah so yeah. Mm, yeah we'll call it this yeah I it think might, I don't yeah. know oh, I don't know I'm just. But it's interesting to Pondering again. Yeah, exactly. It's good to ponder. But back to the acting. We keep diverting. Well, don't we? That's just the natural process. I think it's good. I didn't, we didn't start with a cup of tea. Straight to coffee. Well, I don't yeah. red wine. Well, you're on red wine. <clears throat> and so the next one we'll talk about, we'll talk about any really, but Tone. Yeah. George Redshaw. Classic character there. And equally, so I'm glad you've brought, brought Tony in like now because for me Susan and Tony are very much the silent roles they are yes in the production yes. so it's very in contrast he's very much the the macho quietly spoken man that only, yeah. you don't know much about his character but every word he uses you'd like oh okay this is large the, you presence know. little volume yes yeah mm. and but very almost secretive but almost 
you're you intrigued as to knowing yeah. what actually what's going on. What's, what's under the where's surface? Where's he? About? What's he about? Why doesn't he get on with Angela? What's going? On? I mean, we all know probably why with the way Angela was uh, portrayed, you know. But there's but essence of something else going under there, and and you find out other bits from other characters who mention things he's done or been, but you still mm. you still like it's still like that person that's the unknown, like yeah. You don't know his full personality. You know he's yeah. got some. <laughs> yeah. You know. And it was quite funny just seeing him just give certain looks. Yeah. Don't, uh, and, yeah. Oh, and the bit where he's bumping and grinding with Beverly on that dance when it was it came to like a bit of a split stage. So you yeah, had yeah, Lawrence exactly. and Sue dancing, then Bev and Tyne. Yeah. And then um, Angela putting hula hoops on her fingers. Yeah. So we didn't know which way to look, but each no. of them had. Uh, certain elements of uh, the characteristics that they were doing to this dance. Yeah. But the, the moment he had to try and sit down with a bit of an erection, that, <laughs> you don't hide that. It's like everyone knew what the situation was yeah. here, but he did that so. Uh, and it was very British, stiff and, upper lip. Yeah, well, stiff. Well, <laughs> something was of it. <laughs> oh, Miss says. I think as well for me, it was it was the build up to that it wasn't necessarily that scene it was the the build up it was the it was the tony and beverly scene all oh, the way through the production oh, all the way through it was the subtlety i talked earlier about the the like the the non spoken parts yeah. it was the it was the looks the little uncomfortable moments where where there was there was flirting, yeah. but Tony didn't really know what was going off, and it was like he wasn't sure it was whether, like is this flirting flirt or, or is she just yeah. drunk or is it you know it was the it was all those like and and the the, and the, the more drunk of, they got, the more yeah. provocative she got, and there was blocking moments like from the directing perspective where. Beverly would be sat in one of the armchairs. Mm. Beverly walked up to get a drink. Then Tony would be in that chair yeah. that was still warm from Beverly sitting in it. So it was yeah. it was like they were chasing each other around in such yeah. a slow, subtle way that yeah. they were always always on each other a little bit, and yeah. and everybody Beverly missed like- it in the room because you could almost see it was almost like they directed it where somebody was looking away at the point where well, that where happened, so that mm. so that it showed that. It was all done behind the scenes almost, and it was, it was, yeah, yeah. until that, the, you know, the, the, the erection moment, you know. Yeah, and also, um, I think how he portrayed the character oh. was uh, just spot on because he added a mystery. Yeah, he did. And there, there was humour in there. And yeah. dare, dare I say, I don't know what's going on between uh, Tone and Lawrence, but I don't know about you, but I felt. When they went out and they came back and something was a change, it's like, what were they up to? Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. a bit of a, a an under. And I think that was there. clever as well because even now we don't know. No, we still don't. We still know. don't know. Something but, happened in that house. Happy girls' party. At, yeah. Why were they looking at each other? Like something. Had something just had gone, gone off. off, and he was wet. Mm. But they still they and still didn't tell us. Down the side of a house. Hmm. But that's the cleverness of writing a production like this. If it leaves you guessing, they've done the they've done their job. Yeah, but then we could just be perverted. But it, it keeps <laughs> people guessing and thinking and wanting to see it again. And that's but the... It, the the whole way they portrayed it. It definitely yeah. had some kind of. Um, it was all about friction. It was an undertone. It was the, something. Yeah, but wasn't this there? whole production was about frustration and friction yes, between everything. And yeah. I wonder if. There was some kind of um, and selfishness in a way friction between Lawrence and Tony. Yeah, there was history that, that, or something. Yeah, that went that uh, went beyond them liking women because at the end of the day, Tony didn't really 
wasn't in he wasn't really interested in Angelo. No. And I think he was only interested in Beverly to get a reaction out of Lawrence. Yeah. There's there's totally well. an undertone of, of Oh it might have been. Well, I don't, I don't know if the undertones were there. Um, I just think it, it it gave you that that subtlety and that there's something happening here that you can't quite put your finger on <laughs> all the way through it. Yeah, there's definitely and, something. And it was about selfishness as well from Beverly, where it's all about her. It's me, mm. me, me. You know, and and also, the, you know, I mean, for me, Alistair Warren, a sublime well, performer. Well, let's just move on to you her know, then, shall I, we? Yeah, I think we need to. Yes. Because to embody a character and... At- to embody such an irritating character yes. and make her out to be irritating. Well, actually, yeah. she's quite sweet in a way. She is. Very she, Her head's always in the clouds. Like, you know, we're, yeah. we're distracting a dream world. We'll always be happy. But then something she but said and came God, out with. Voice. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the thing is, sometimes you can deliver a, a, a word or a line or whatever in a normal voice. And it doesn't, just, just doesn't quite hit there. Yeah. You put on a different voice for that particular character and those words yeah. just work like a dream and it's, they just bring the house down with do. laughter. And and from a performer's perspective, the pauses and the timing were absolutely spot on. Absolutely. To know when the audience are going to laugh and, and just hold off but still be in character oh, before you timing, deliver your next definitely. line yeah. and then hit it hard again. And know that you're working an audience, that you're just going to keep pushing them and keep pushing them. And it was just... But in a way, she had a rather a difficult job to do. Yeah. Because whenever there were tensions going off between the others, she's normally the one that has to break the ice. Yeah, she's the bull in the china shop. She's well, the... So it's her voice that cuts through the silence because she says something stupid. Yeah. And this is very much the example at the very end where yeah. the dramatic thing is happening yeah. to Lawrence right on the floor... And um, Beverly needs consoling because she's in hysterics. Yeah, Angela gets the cramps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what a better way to sort of nearly end the show. Yeah, with, with it cramp. just being, you know, the more concerned about having cramps in the legs than the dead body on the floor. Of, yeah, and 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 that is the that is the perfect sort of description of how her character just just um, just almost gave you that comic timing that you needed within this also said some quite cutting things a lot of the oh, time definitely. the more the, she, drunk she, she got the more the truth kind yeah, of came, oh, tripped off her tongue but, but also that she's actually quite a little bit twisted as well and she's very much in control of what she's doing yeah. it was quite interesting that was you know it yeah. was you know she might come across as ditzy in, in her own dream world, but actually she's not. She's there's a lot more there's a lot more depth. And a bit about her independence as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that brought the house down as yeah, well. Because I think everybody had been there once or twice. Yeah. And I think for the fact that all she did was in character drunk, try to put hula hoops on her fingers yeah. and just make everyone laugh the tits off basically at this and and i'll be honest you can direct somebody being drunk as much as you like but if somebody's can't play drunk and progressively get drunk throughout the production this is that that was the key thing with this was that the key it was the key thing yeah but was it well it might have been the secret i think it was it was definitely the secret to it um because you saw the progression of 
just the odd sway or the odd stumble or to to like later down the line where the hula hoop scene where because because she'd obviously got to that point in her, in her mm. alcohol where she just needs to look at something but she can't quite focus so she can't quite see the hula hoops mm. but she's gonna have a go but, and 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 then there was like moments where the where her and Beverly were leaning on each other mm. and then and then pushing a cushion behind Susan after she after she'd been sick and making her feel comfortable but really not un- totally uncomfortable but yeah. you know being a nurse not knowing her own she was being now. a nurse i think that was what it, what we saw that yeah, you, you'd she always in she, her strength she it was like she was being the matron on the ward she was like i'm i'm going to do the the you know the motherly love you will get yeah. you will sit down and enter with more no control of your nervous system yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. no how, how far you can push yeah. things as well and did you notice that um when they kept drinking, the moment they stood up, that's when like the world started spinning yeah, for them. Yeah. And you could definitely you could see, see that. Oh, change. we've got drunk quick oh. now. Yeah, because when uh, Angela was trying to get Sue's bag, yeah, because there might be something in it for her, she was like swinging that around. I honestly thought she was going to like collapse and headbutt the sofa <laughs> yeah, and fall down. It was I mean, just so close. Fu- funny as well. It but, would. Yeah, the fact that she just swung it around her yeah. and almost taking Sue out. She was sat down. <laughs> and point. Sue was reacting equally as well for them yeah. with that, that it was yeah. going to happen. I mean, like sitting in a room full of drunken people, you yeah. know, and you're the sober one. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, it's all kicking off in here, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, then let's talk about Lawrence, Tom yeah. Richardson. He Mr. On Edge. Off, yes. Definitely, Mister on edge. Mister, Mister, not actually dealing with his issues and just build, letting everything build up on his shoulders and yeah, and pretty much maybe like very a highly strong. trying to get everything done. Yeah, you know, but, trying to, but also trying to please too many people all the time and end up where he can't actually. Yeah. He's, he's everything's all over the place because I suppose you saw that at the start when he's. Mm. Is arranging meetings for eight o'clock after a night of alcohol, you know. Yeah, like, but instead of abiding by his time, he's trying to slot in for everybody else's yeah. and yeah. make them happy. And well. and by doing that, his stress levels are through the roof, and he's not yeah. actually he's not actually staying calm ever at all. No, you know? and um, I think he added a little bit of. Um, uh, performance from the original as well. I think when there was on the, f- I don't, I can't, I haven't got the script, so I don't know. But when he was on the phone, he lifted his leg up like he's yeah. trying to get every. That is in the DVD. So whether it's yeah. scripted and specifically does that, I don't yeah. know. It might have just been a character thing, but I noticed that he did do that. Yeah, yeah. So that was quite. Um, mm, but it was good that he did it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But it wouldn't have been odd if he didn't either. Do you know what I mean? No, I, I know what you mean. No, no, well. exactly. It was just one of the character things. And another character thing that he did was every time he was offering something like an olive or a cheese and pineapple <laughs> yeah. on a plate, uh, on a stick to Sue or whoever, yeah. he would kneel down, well, crouch down to like, their eye level to <laughs> offer in a very, you know... It's like a waiter in the Ritz. It was like, I've got to please, I've got to please, I've got to... Anything you want, anything you want. And it was like, with a level of stress in his eyes. And it was know. also a level of smarminess about yeah. it. In, in terms of, I got Gordon British from the British Empire Yeah, totally, yeah, that. totally Do you know did. what I mean? Yeah, it was I very do. Chris Barry. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. actually, in a certain light, he looks slightly... Yeah. Cri- I wonder yeah. if he's related. Maybe. Quite you know, Chris Barry-esque. I think with the intenseness of, like, the the viewing to... It's almost like he's striving to be posh and have be very out, well, well-spoken well and 
educated and understanding well, I think art. he's probably trying to be up with the Joneses. And then you've got she? Beverly, who's completely the opposite as his, as his wife, who doesn't care about anything he's saying, so he's always trying to be heard. And every time mm. he says it, he's pushed down and pushed down and pushed down. Yeah. So when it comes out, it comes out like a big outburst because it's like, but I still care about the arts and this and the yeah. other. And it's like, you but, know. It, but it's all built up um, properly and uh, in due course. Yes. Yeah. Totally. So every time he left and came back, he would still carry on his business. He would still like either make a sandwich for himself or somebody else, or he would still do stuff. Yeah. But then whenever there was an interaction with Bev, and when she was flaunting more and he could see it, yeah. what's going on, that's when he got more um, tense or whatever. I mean, but it's quite funny that he was quite repressed in that yeah, aspect. Definitely. So whether something else is repressed, I By... don't know. But he wouldn't like um, try and control her as, as such as... I know a lot of other men probably would, yeah. or as probably Tony would shout at Angela yeah. to say whatever. My you know. my favourite scene, really, that Lawrence did was obviously at the start. He was he was arranging meetings, going to get keys for for properties, and he was he was he was going out to go and have a meeting before the party started, and this that and the other. My favourite bit was when he entered in with his briefcase after coming back from the from doing all his meetings yeah. and he'd been asked to get beer and he'd been asked to get this, that and the other. He hadn't brought any of the beer and all you saw is him walk on stage, looked at Beverly and then walk back out of the yeah. door. Yeah. And that for me... And everyone and, laughed. And that's so difficult to do because no words are needed. No, mm. nothing said. And if you don't... You can't throw that moment away, but... It was there was chaos in the room. Everybody was talking. Everybody was up. You were finding bits about yeah. everybody. Everybody was in the room, and then he just walked in and walked back out again. And you knew exactly what was happening. I think and, it helped with the fact that everyone was paying attention to the show. Yes, exactly. If people were dozing off, they probably wouldn't have. Yeah, got and, to, and I so think that's where laugh, pace but... comes in with this. Mm. It was, it was like one minute that's happening, then that's happening, then that's happening. There was no moment where you, you weren't focused on what was happening and mm. I think that was the that's the important thing that yeah and that just made it funny because <laughs> yeah. I just loved that moment you know I think it said a lot about the production that the unspoken was just as funny as the spoken oh, absolutely you know? and you know he was just believable as long yeah. as and they all were believable yeah in their characters which brings us rather neatly to Beverly yeah Rebecca Birch. Stunning. I thought she was amazing. From the moment she stepped onto the stage and she started dancing, she had everyone in the palm of her hands. She was she was Beverly. Yes, she made the character her own. And how she delivered the lines, it was very quick-witted as well, very quick-paced. It wasn't like anyone you could stumble over a line. She delivered every line perfectly. And it was delivery, it was... Conviction of of voice, you could hear every, every conviction of character. Every every like every part of that script was not thrown away. All the bits that she'd said, she said, and you heard every bit. There was lots of diction. Yeah, the, the, it was there. You didn't mm. you didn't lose anything through an act because she had a, a a London accent. She was very much that that Londoner that you that you that grated a lot. And that selfish person, you felt mm. that that selfishness. But and, in a way, um, her portrayal didn't come across in any way grating. It no, was a jo- she, 
it was very captivating. Yeah, it was. Performance was. It was. It's excellent. Top notch. It was a stellar performance. And also, it wasn't just the words she said. It was everything no. she didn't say. Like you were saying earlier about all those little moments of um, action that wasn't dialogue and, yeah. and all that. And the way she flirted with Tony and exactly. her aggression, her the way she gave sharp looks to Lawrence, all that was spot on. When she collapsed in the armchair and just like was oh, flirting with, the, yes. with Tony. and there was, Everything else was happening around her and there she is stroking even her the, neck bone and it was e- just like... Yeah, <laughs> and even the put-downs to Angela. Oh, one of the best things are... that uh, Best little scenes of this was... Um, when Sue came in with a bottle of wine, she goes to find it off the table. Yeah. Oh, Sue, did you bring us some wine? Look, Angela. Look what Sue brought <laughs> well, as yeah. a gift. Isn't that Isn't nice? nice? <laughs> you know, rubbing it in that Angela just doesn't brought anything yeah, as a gift. She was, the, you know. she was the guest that never brings yeah, anything it, to it's her. It's those um, sort of delivery of such great poisonous lines. A bit like me know. not bringing cake to today. Yeah, where is my cake? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I gave you some flapjack. Is that enough? Well, I had to have two out of a pack of one that had three in it, and you've already I had mean, two It wasn't packs. really a full well, portion, was it? Pack. But it wasn't really a full portion, was it? Let you know. touch the sides. But anyway, we digress, because it's a little bit selfish of us to talk about our own little plight of cakes, when here's Rebecca with an excellent performance. Oh, I know, and stunning performance. Even during the end, it was all about her. Exactly. <laughs> and that was just great. But again... With that, which I remember saying to you, the moment things started to turn sour for Lawrence and he was on the floor and yeah. Angela was doing so hard to revive him, revive him. Once she stopped speaking, she was shaking. Yeah. And I was uh, fixed, not in a weird way, but I was looking at everyone's reaction for, for this yeah. um, podcast and I was seeing what they were all doing. And you could see that, Whilst everyone was looking shocked and everything, it was her in particular yeah. that I noticed was really, really shaken and and like really. St- I could feel. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Hard, exactly. But I could feel her. Yeah. Turn cold. You, like I could feel. I, I felt Tony getting a bit. You like, felt everybody and, so sober up. You, yeah. It was like you just even so. Too, yeah. She was like on the phone to um, the ambulance. And, well, it's um, like Angela when she's actually giving CPR yeah. and this that. You felt like we've. We've had cold water thrown over everybody. Yeah. And you felt it. You felt that, like, <gasps> we're all back in the room. We've got yeah. to do something, regardless of how drunk we are. We've all yeah. got to, even, even, and I mean, obviously, Beverly deals with that stress by talking about herself and, and, and what, what, how it's affected her, not yeah. how, you know, flicking her out over Lawrence. Move it away. And even, um, I love the bits where she was putting a record on and she's yeah. getting irate because uh, Lawrence wanted her to turn it down or change the track completely. Yeah. But even when she's saying, oh, do you want to listen to such and such? You, Yes, you do. Tone, do you want to listen to such and such? Yeah. Sue, yeah. you bother by- All of us want to listen to it. Yeah. So you're going to put it on, please. It was basically you know, the same as the bottle, but done in the... <laughs> you know. Yeah, and uh, I mean... Credit goes to the writing, definitely. And, it really and does. the original characters who helped devise that piece. However... The performances that we saw today, this, and I put it out on social media, this is like, this is how you do Abigail's party. It is. You want this kind of, act, these kind of actors, this cast as like the new version of it to showcase just how totally. good it should be. Because not one of them 
misdirected anything. No. Uh, not misdirected, but dropped a line. Not one of them not at all. Uh, was wrong or miscast in any way. Everyone was on top of their game. And all credit to every one of them. And n sometimes if someone does an excellent job, I will give a shout out. But I can't on this one because each actor did amazing. I felt like nobody was doing the heavy lifting because nobody no. needed to. Absolutely there was not, not like one character that had to lift everybody else up to, yeah. you know, because we've seen other productions where we've had famous people in productions and this, that, and the other, and and, and you feel like the cast are heavy lifting the rest, them, mm. those up. Whereas yeah. this felt like everybody was at that high level of just understood their whole thing. This the is whole a production thing. where the actors, you got tens, 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 tens yeah. across the board yeah. here for every single one of them for everything. And, you know, um, I mean, Rebecca as Beverly, she was the linchpin in this. She was the main character. So, of course, more attention has gone to her in terms of how we view the show because she's the one that's directing everything. And if it wasn't for her, the play wouldn't have happened. I mean, no, exactly. the, the yeah, character. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's mostly your focal point. Yeah. But each one of them, you know played a blinder but i also feel as well to put this in oh i don't know what i'm putting here no i also feel that you go steady when you've got a cast that are as good as this you wouldn't have noticed any slip-ups because they're so no. in their characters yeah that if something had have fell or somebody would have tripped somebody would have made a quip or a, a something that would have got them straight back you know on the what? script. You wouldn't have noticed anything no, go you... wrong. A bit like a panto, inside out, upside down. You have to know the script in as any characters to just. Yeah, and you, you say that, and I think, I think something did happen. There was a slight I, moment with it, Beverly. There was something. It was happened. Beverly and somebody else, whether it was Lawrence in or the Tony, court, in the, the middle the, of the room near the record player. Yeah, it was near the record player. Yeah, and I can't remember what happened. But, but it was, they recovered. I think it was tone. Yeah, but the recovery was we weren't even clockable. It's only because because no. we don't know if it was even written like that. But no, it, it looked. Yeah, I think you just wouldn't know. I mean, I watch things and I do see things happen that you think that might not have been able to happen. But this was something yeah. you just. And another you, thing, I think when Angela had, um, she threw the fag packets near the end to Beverly on the couch. Mm. Whether one came out yeah. and she popped it on the side and then they, I don't know if they ad-libbed or something around that, but they still worked because Bev ended up passing Angela yeah. a fag to light again. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know if that's not. No, and that's, one of that's the perfect it's bit. like, did that just happen or was that scripted? I'm not quite sure. But you were hit with the next part of the production anyway, well, so you haven't, got, you haven't got time to, you know. Yeah. But I think there's a difference. I think it's only because we've got keen eyes looking at yeah, the thing. Yeah, I think, think oh, mm, mm, and, and I think as well, you talk. We we talk about characterization and realism in the productions. This felt like you were sat in that front room, yeah, and it felt real. It didn't feel like there was a script. Really, it was like you just felt like you were. That's because it's you know, from a device piece. You know. Yeah, exactly. You know, everyone, I think, just got your wants and needs from a character perspective. It's exactly. Like, I think. Yeah. I think I remember rightly. Yeah. My goodness, the quality of acting is in this is just phenomenal really is and i've never been so proud of yeah. something i think maybe it helped sitting in the front row but you know when it came to like the the very end it's like right 
I'm standing up for this. I don't yeah. care who can't see. Exactly. I'm standing up. This is a standing yeah. ovation. And they deserved it. When they were bowing, I'm saying it now, Rebecca looked me in the eye and she said thank you. You got a glint. I did, yes. You did. So, yes. But no, Rebecca, Tom, Alice, George and Joe, just phenomenal. Quite annoying that this isn't filmed. Is it wrong to say that... Because I'd want to see this again. Is it wrong to say that if you watch the BBC version... I feel like I feel like... Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like... I know, right? I feel like I I couldn't... This is the bar. Yeah. This, the sets, this, this, this bureau with the, with the minibars, the bar. This this is Abigail's party. Yeah. The thing you see on the TV. No. No, not, not now. This is, you know... Moving on to our next segment, as we say, what the tech is this? So we're back to talk about the technical aspects. After we've put the kettle on, we've had a brew, we're recharging our batteries, and Richard still wants to talk. My goodness, where will it end? <laughs> I'm on the Rui bush. Oh. Here we go, he trimmed. Yeah. Red bush in a glass. Get bits in your teeth. Like Picking hairs out for years. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can we please talk about the technical aspect before we end up talking about chaos? Or going into chaos, not the chaos theory. Well, it was lit. I don't know what's I, going on. What is in this tea? I don't know. You've had it. You made it. I'm I'm glad I haven't got it. I think it might have been that wine this time around. Are you sure it was Roy, Roy Bosch? Roy, Roy, Roy Bosch. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting, this is getting insane now. Right, let's talk about the, the technical membrane. aspect. Okay, so... So... So <laughs> you were going to say something, though. Well, I was. So what I really liked about this, and it's the only thing I'm going to pick up on, because then you can um, get, cast your little beady eyes on it, um, was I liked the background music that was played to one side, as if it was coming from uh, Abigail's party. Yes. And all the other little bits, like when it came to the, the record player. That was a working prop. And the arm moved when they pressed play. Yeah, and it retrieved and when they ended, when they stopped retracted. it. Retracted. Yeah. And the turntable was going round. Yes, it was. It does matter for a production like this. You want to see those records move. And even Wait, though yeah. they're not the records that are providing the music, it's all come through the speakers. That's correct, yes. Yeah. Because one record was extremely dirty. Oh, it As someone who likes dirt. collecting vinyls... I've Ooh. got my vinyl and I don't like that it looking like that. needed a deep clean. It was more than smudged. Oh, it was. But that's probably the one that's constantly played and it's like the dummy one. Yeah, but you don't get thumbprints on a vinyl. Oh, <gasps> sacrilege. What was it eating to get thumbprints like that? Olives. Greasy chips. No. Cheese and vinyl on sticks. Those the crisps. Crisp, greasy oils. Well, you'd crisps. know you chumped them all. Well, yeah, no, yeah, but well, my portion. I, I think... Can we just stop diverting and go back? I was to going the... to go back in. Well done. Yeah. Thank you for sticking your nose in. I think on the on the bookcases and bureau at the back, what on top of the actual bookcases were two. <laughs> I don't know where you're going. I, I do. I'm, I'm listening. I'm trying attention to attention re- to detail. I'm trying to be the audience. That, I'm you know, going with the attention one to detail. That listens to this sad podcast. I'm trying to understand where There's they're coming from, one. and I don't get it. Kate, your mum as well, and it's like, what are you getting at? I'm getting at the fact that the two speakers were actually at the top of stage on the bookcases for that that record player. 
That's all you needed to say. Yeah, well, you jumped you, in before no, I had a chance to I, finish. No, you needed a bit of a slap and some direction because <laughs> you were going all around the houses about the bookcase and the ornaments. Well, maybe I need and... maybe I need Michael Cabot to come over and tell us how to do it well because you know he knows. No, I think you need something. No, I think it it was well done in the fact that none of the cues are missed for the sound effects, as in there wasn't a lot of sound effects, but. All the volume. <laughs> Can I do tea? You've had too much wine. It's not the wine, it's the red bush. <laughs> I'm telling you, you start off saying something, then you switch track. Yeah, because it's I'm like, trying to think up. and we've got to get back into it. That's why. Then no one told you to think before you speak. No. I'm telling you now. <laughs> I told you again. Because <laughs> I know you're gonna laugh. <laughs> no, I think when the records were picked and played, they had the there was a attention to detail play, paid on <laughs> played. You're just losing it now. There was attention to detail paid to the record sleeves and having the right one in the right the right time for the actual scene that it was being talked about, but. Not every record was at the front ready to be pulled out to show it. They did have to thumb through them like they were on on the rack and they weren't just in order of the way it was being talked about in the script. Yeah, they do it normally. It, we felt, it yeah, felt, felt that, natural. That, it felt natural and then they'd stand one up to show what was playing and, you know, and I think that helped with this because that was just another level of keeping within that that feel of the production in the 70s style and the speakers that were on stage were the same speakers that would have come with the actual record player even though there was others hid probably somewhere in the back behind the flats in the black of the, the stage which was for me it's important when the production's a 70s production i don't want to see new new fangled technology anywhere to be seen on this stage and i think that was the cleverness of this Whatever speakers they used to give the low bass and the the noise from Abigail's party that was down the street, you felt like they'd almost put speakers at the back of the stage, right at the back wall. So you felt like Facing there was away. a distance from from you felt like it was four doors down or three doors down. You didn't feel like it was just coming through the speakers at the front of the stage to an audience, like, oh, you can hear a bit of noise. It felt distant and I think that that attention to detail was important to create that sound space so you you feel like that that you're in that that location hmm. um lighting wise I mean it was quite interesting that they lit the set with quite a pink hue when you started the actual all the wallpaper looked pink and gray really it, well it, I in my eyes were just seeing a load of brown yeah and that's what I assumed uh, the wallpaper was. I didn't think there was a light on it as such. And then when the lights came up on stage, it was actually green and green and black, almost green, blacks and greys, wasn't it? The actual the, yeah, the wallpaper, greenish and palish, greenish yeah. as well. And it was so so that was that was really well done. Was I mean, very it was cunning. The product the, the production was very, basically general cover. It was in one room, so you didn't really have any any changes as such. But it, I think it was it was well lit. Um, I mean the main, the main uh, sort of exciting lighting effect was the oh, yeah. uh, fiber optic fiber in the corner, optic, yeah. that was very of the time and very like newfangled of of the seventies, really. Um, 
I had one of them. Yeah, I did. Um, well, no, I think you know technically it was it was great, and I suppose there was a lot more doubt done with props than I mean there was there was just a flashing blue light at the back when the the ambulance arrived behind yeah. the uh, glass doors at the back. So now um, with the lamp shades over the dining room yeah. three, they were really nice did they ever turn on at all or the lamp I don't think the they, they I did I don't think they did or if they did it must have been at a time to show the progression into evening time that yeah. we didn't notice because we were you know engaged in the story yeah, exactly at this point maybe I'd, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I think, think it's less about on. things it's more about what's happening yeah. in front of you isn't it really? yeah um, but again if they never turn the lights on then they didn't particularly need them. No. I'm glad that they were there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they weren't out of place and they didn't feel... Yeah, they were fitted in. It didn't feel over the top and it didn't feel, you know, it was it was, it was was just right. Okay, so what we can do now is talk about the costume and um, the props, which might sort of uh, point into the technical aspect of things now. Yeah. Because I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think... One thing I'd like to shout out is a big shout out to Beck Palmer who did the set and the costume design. So Absolutely. it's quite, it's and it's very evident that one person has had a hold on this as a production, as yeah. a set and a costume design because it's very easy to get a lot of other people involved. They mm. might have been getting involved to source items or find things that were of the period. Yeah, but you want you need one person's look with the director to then make sure that it's very within its its time yeah. period. And I think that that showed from what Beck did, really, in this. She made me have a love for walnut furnishings. <laughs> yeah. And, and that sofa, honestly, God, I want that sofa and the chair. Yeah, it exactly. will go wonderful. Wonder, it will go wonderfully in my lounge. I mean, I want a proper seventies bureau to have as a as a as a as a laptop desk, because I think you know it'd be ideal. Mm. I think I think as well, not just that the aesthetics of the the characters were right, and each character had the. I mean, let's face it, Beverly looked like she just walked off Pan's people, and she'd got yeah, floaty she did, yeah. dress, but there was no. Because it was a long, floaty red dress, it didn't feel like it was. It was glamorous, but it didn't have that feel of oversexualized or anything well, like it's that. Just it more was of a, subtle. an it evening was, gown. Yeah, but it was sort of subtle in terms of wanting attention, yes. but still enough to cover up. So she could play with the subtleties yes. and the sexuality of everything. Yeah, you know, and 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 um, that kind of thing, and likewise the costume for Angela. Yeah, exactly. Is very mousy. The yeah. the floral costumes, everything just looked a bit clumped up uh, and a bit wrong, and the, even down to the shoes. And almost the woman. Sorry, the woman behind me. I think oh, yeah. the woman was like, "Look at the state of her Hello. shoes." You could hear her giggling and like you know, <laughs> yeah. and that, but not just that. She had also the look of of the queen that's just been gone hunting. You know, yeah, yeah. That, it was that like country woman that was very. You still I'm felt. Yeah. Shove boots on. Yeah, it, it felt <laughs> like yeah, it felt like that straight away. And Tony yeah, equally looked like he'd just come out of uh, Starsky and Hutch or or a very seventies yeah, feel production like yeah, it's a seventies show. Out of the poor or something. Yeah, yeah. And it was very porn star look, wasn't it? And you know, and it, 
Yes. And then it, <laughs> are you doing Tony now? <laughs> yes. And, and same as Angela, really. I mean, Angela was gave you every look of a Felicity Kendall or somebody in in the Good Life or that that sort well, of character. Yes, that. It's, um... But it was very much a Janini sort of esque character. Yeah. Uh, like off uh, the neighbour from One Foot on the Grave. Yeah. That. Um... Your floral polyester dress that was very yeah. fitted and almost dressing younger than she is with pigtails, yeah. that sort of look. Yeah. And, and she'd look like that all the way through. Life really, it was that. That's that's, yeah. that's her aesthetic, and I think they did it really well. Where everybody felt unique, and I think that mm. was that was just as important as the staging. It was everything. Well, even down together. to the costume of Sue as well, yeah. and what she was wearing. Um, hers was very much like a, the elderly lady that dressed for warmth. Yes, exactly. You yeah. know, and her but it's practical. Cost- yes, but it was very, very. Um, not too colourful yeah. either. It's very much middle of the ground. But also, like she herself, her character had been downtrodden. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With her divorce and stuff yeah. like that. So, uh, in in essence, the costume sort of like uh, become the characters yeah. as well, with uh, Angela being a bit chaotic and Bev's being the sultry one. Yeah. And even Lawrence having the, the suit on, very much businessman. And he never got changed when he should have got no. changed. No, he was still, he you know, just he was very carried in business on. Cause you know, he's, as if he's constantly thinking about where. Work. Yeah, almost like he's going to sleep back out, and he's 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 got to work and work and work, and and from the prop side, it, I think it was everything was placed with a purpose. There was like the the rug. It was on a worn up wooden floor. Yeah, uh, but it was it would have been a big square rug, but it was cut off and fit the stage perfectly. But. Also for the dance scene, you saw them use the move the settee, the, mm. the sofa, which I didn't think was going to be moved, and it was all. Oh, but yeah, it yeah. was, it felt like you were watching a production like we when we were kids, and you'd move furniture out of the way and and mm. use it to make more space. You'd just chuck it out of the way, put it under everything, and pu- push it away. And it was, it was using that, but also the things like the Larry that was at the back on stage, and it was never referenced until right at the end of the production. Yeah, but. And the Everybody Gogh. had random pictures on the walls or things that didn't quite fit the aesthetic. It was like that. The yeah. Larry's got nothing to do with almost the seventies because it just it was very different in design, similar to the 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 Van Gogh in the in mm. the in the bureau. It, it felt it, everything had a place and it was It's like the the glasses we talked about the glasses and the and the things that we used in the bar and there were the. It was the smoked glass that they used and things mm. that were very 70s, very, very new and very showy, yeah. uh, you know, to show that there was almost wealth because not everybody had that that style of glass. So it was it was, it was was well thought out, mm. you know, even down and to the plate. The candelabra, the, yeah. the dining table at the back, yeah. you know. Um, and, and there was, there and, was and an the element of well. that, the, the, the chairs, the chairs and table at the back mm. almost had a little bit of a 60s reference like because yeah. not everybody got rid of all their furniture from 
the sixties, some stuff stayed with them for a long time through their mm. life. So it was, there was, it felt like there was a little bit of crossover, which would have happened. It wasn't. Yeah, you know, I, I think my mum and dad had them in the seventies. Yeah, table, and I think they would have had like. Um, uh, what did you say? The Queen Anne's bureau, Queen the China, Anne, China Queen, cabinet. Yeah, the, China cabinet, yeah, yeah. the Queen Anne, like and the and the, t- the yeah, coffee table. No, I meant the um, the, the China um, cabinet. China cabinet. Yeah. yeah. I th- I think it's it's important that you know you have those references because we've watched other productions like Home, I'm Darling, where mm. it feels like it's been taken out of a out of a catalogue. Yeah. And this feels more like we're in the seventies. Yeah. Rather than it being, this is definitely uh, more real. Yeah, definitely. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And now it's time for rewind, rewatch. Richard, I don't know about you, but what's your review, rewind, rewatch going to be? Because I want to watch it all again. I totally agree. I couldn't pick out anything that I wouldn't want to see again. I think there's so many scenes in this that I'd love to see again. Yes. You know, just um, the bit where um, uh, Beverly's having a dirty dance with Tone yeah. and, and Sue comes in. It's yeah. like, what the, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. You know, and that reaction's quite good. The little moments between Bev and Tony, Tone are really good as well. And um, the bits where Angela's just beginning to turn a bit on tone as well i think as well from my perspective this is something that i may need a few months between watching this and watching it again because i'd want to watch it and see things in it almost having a break from it because it was so good yeah, I'd want to, uh, because I'd, I'd, it's very vivid now even in my mind yes. the day after i still would like to have a break from it in a good way to then have it have an impact again with me, and I think that's you know, yeah. this for me is very much like Pride and Prejudice, sort of. Yeah, I could see this tomorrow instantly. Yeah, Book yeah. of Mormon, yeah, tomorrow. yeah, brief encounter, yeah, tomorrow, yeah, for definitely. Me. I get what you're saying about giving it a bit more time just in case, say, like you get a different performance and doesn't live up to the first one, yeah, you know, but I'll take that risk with this one. I blooming love this. You know, and yeah. I, I wasn't expecting to. I no, thought, no, exactly. Let, let's see how okay it will be. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, but this is just it's definitely a curveball. Blow my mind. In a good way. Moving on to our final segment, as we say, call, call this, this a show. show. So, to sum up about this play, Richard, I think for me, this is just top notch, uh, spectacular production with everything going in the right direction, everything hitting their beat for everything, and there's nothing bad or wrong or anything. No. This is a five... This is, Well, not five... Well, it depends what I'm going to rate it as, you know. Five out of five. <laughs> give it all the stars. Give it all the ratings. Yeah, this is just... you know, This exceeds yeah. anything and more for whatever rating I would give it. This is definitely up there. And for the fact that, like we agreed, this probably beats the original. Well, yeah, and, uh, and it might not be a retelling or a reworking, or or an updating of a production, but it felt fresh, and I think that's for me. Mm. It felt like a brand new production in its own right, and I think that's why you wouldn't want to compare it to the previous because it's got its own weight and its own performance style that is better than. And you know, I think to I think hit because it helped with being a bit more pacier. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Well, I think. I think. You know, to to pull off a performance like this, 
takes a, a great team and boy have they got a great team that have pulled this Absolutely. off. Absolutely. So Richard, could you give me your scores please for Abigail's party on a scale of 1 to 10 with 10 being better than Abigail's actual party and 1 being a stress-induced heart attack. What's it going to be? A big fat 10 out of 10. Ooh. And Stephen, what's it going to be? Mm, I don't know. I think it's going to have to be a 10 plus. Oh. Yes. Are we are we in Hall of Fame level? We're in... The, I think this is what Pride and Prejudice got from me. 10 plus. Oh, well. On this one. So, yes. Absolutely fantastic. So, what sound effect will you be choosing from the following? A complete train wreck. Tumbleweed. An audible shrug of the shoulders. Uh? A slow clap. A pleasant applause. Or a standing ovation. What will it be? Well, we may have hinted at what we did earlier. It was mm. a great big standing ovation. It was absolutely... Go and see it. Don't tell you live. Get your tickets. Yeah, definitely. We've talked quite a few people about this and need to go and see it. So there we are. That's our discussion of Abigail's party. We hope you found it insightful. If not entertaining. Stay tuned as we bring you more of our thoughts and opinions on many theatrical delights in future episodes. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at upstagedownstagepod at gmail.com. You can always join in the chat to share with us your views of a production. Also, make sure to follow, share, like and subscribe to all our channels so you get every episode the second it's released. And we hope you join us again for another instalment of Upstage Downstage. We shall move on to the big meat and bones of this production. <laughs> oh, that's come right out of your mouth and out your nose and everywhere. I think you need to go toilet now. <laughs> um, oh, my laptop's gone off. What's going on? There we are. The, um, the hole in the wall. Serving catch. Yeah, the hatch. Particularly when... Angela's looking at the light bulb, the light switch. It. Yeah. When she's looking, particularly when Angela's looking at the lampshade. Yeah, exactly. You get there in the end. I think no. as well because I, You know, even yeah. though they, if they're not, and I mean, it was uh, quite. Hold up. Even they're not, though, not what? Well, no, no. Beverly, the best. It's like the best. It's like Beverly's party's better, and where Abigail's not invited, or I don't know if something like it's that. Even longer. Abigail's party was premiered. Abigail's party premiered at the Hampstead. Abigail's party premiered at the Hampstead Theatre in. Abigail's party premiered at the Hampstead Theatre in 1977. A ferocious black comedy and landmark. A ferocious black comedy and landmark of 20th century theatre. So Richard, what's it all about? <laughs> Stephen is clearing his throat. So I do that again. Yeah, I think you Why should. Why were you laughing at Premiered? It's because you were going... <laughs> <laughs> well, fighting back a burp. I know, you were trying to say it, but you were struggling. Abigail's party premiered at the Hampstead Theatre in 1997. No, in 1977. Sorry. Beverly and husband Lawrence will play a host to a neighbour's...
will play a host to a neighbour. Mike Lee's ruthless out. Mike Lee's ruthless, achingly funny examination of the 1970s. Right, okay. Mike Lee's ruthless, achingly funny examination. Mike Lee's ruthlessly agony. Mike Lee's ruthless, achingly funny. Mike Lee's ruthless, aching. <laughs> Mike Lee's ruthless, achingly funny examination of 1970s Britain. Mike Lee's Ruth. Well, Mike Lee's Ruth. Mike Lee's ruthless, achingly funny examination of 1970s British life begins. And also all the other little um, bits of... Excuse me, I didn't mean to belch. So we're back now talking about the... What? Tech. I know that, but why'd you give it a bit of a weird look? I don't know. I was reading this on the... No. You would not... You The moment I started speaking, it's like, fuck is off. Oh, yes. Here Where's we go mute? again. Where's the mute button? Hey! <laughs> <laughs> I'm tempted with the final venue. Where is it? Landudno. Go to the beach. Ooh! Yes. I'm going to Landudno and see Abigail's party in July. By the beach, by the seaside. That's it.